Beyond the Ball, fueling your faith and family through sport. Welcome to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. Welcome back to Beyond the Ball with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. Hope everybody is enjoying the shows. Coach Klump, how are you doing? Very well. A little hot up in Western New York right now. 95, I think about three or four straight days of being 95, but I'm ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. This weather has been unbelievable. My family is a, is a Disney family. We like to go on our Disney vacations. And I think it was hotter today than it was in Orlando or wherever Disney is located in Central Florida. So yeah, we're enjoying Orlando. those heat. We're just trying to enjoy it and, uh, and get after it. But I love getting back uh, on the pod with you. Uh, we're going to have a nice special guest in tonight, another local guest from Western New York. Um, but before we get into any of that, you got any celebrations for us? Yeah, you know what? I, I'm thinking back about my celebrations from earlier, and I, I wish I would have done this in one of our first recordings, but still, um, it's definitely something that I need to celebrate. And those are the small business owners through all of this, you know, through the corona pause. And, you know, now that things are starting to slowly open back up there, I want to encourage everyone to support all those local small businesses, especially those farmers out there. You know, growing up on a dairy farm, those guys never take a break off, usually working 15, 16 hours a day and the sun beating down on them. So, uh, you know, make those stops to those local stands and detour away from those big corporate grocery stores. You know, um, I don't know if I can say it. Maybe, maybe we don't, I don't know if we have any corporate sponsors for this pod and they'll cut that out. But, um, <laughs> yeah, stop stop at those local farmers. Hit them up. Well, well, I think the celebration is definitely worth having a conversation about because, you and I, I don't think we need to shy away from that at all. We're two, you know, more rural, country-born kids. Yep. You growing up on a farm, both my grandparents being farmers. Um, we're used to honoring and celebrating those small businesses, so I don't think we have to worry too much about that. Everybody's going to make some of that money as this thing starts to open back up. Yep. But what a great celebration. I, I'm going to celebrate you tonight because I think it's your birthday week. Okay. And I think you turned the big 4 yes, so sir. I'm going to kind of catch you off guard with this one, but happy birthday and welcome to the club, my man. Thank Celebrate. you. Thank you very much. Humbled, humbled to be doing this. This is great. This is like a little passion project for both of us, so um, really, really enjoying this. Thank you for asking me to host this with you, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. And so with your birthday coming up, we got a couple of guests coming in. Um, and before we do that, we always like to start our program with a little bit of scripture. You want to share with us what you got for us tonight, for, Coach? Yeah, for certain. Um, Philippians 3.13 has been on my heart. Um, and it was actually came because I was watching The Lion King. Rafiki takes his staff and slams him over the head and says, it doesn't matter. It's in the past. You can either run from it or you can <laughs> learn from it. So I, I kind of flipped through back to Philippians 3.13, and he says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And just encouraging everybody, we are moving through such unprecedented times. So, we just got to press on, move forward, forget what's behind us, have so much faith and passion that you just got to release it to him and press on 
and reach to reach this heavenly prize of being in his presence forever. So that's where I was with my heart um, on this week with Philippians 3.13, Justin. Absolutely. And I think that we've connected with some earlier pods on this idea of, you know, as we're taping this, we're in the early part of July and we're heading into the second half of the year and it'd be really easy to, you know, focus on the last three or four months that have been a little bit of a struggle and, and let those three months, you know, impact the next three months. You know, as coaches, we always talk about, you know, next play, next yep. play. Play and present, make, next play. There's a whole uh, bunch yeah. of different um, ways individuals can keep moving one foot in front of the other. So and that, I think that that's – I think that you hit the nail on the head right there. That's one of our core – as coaches, typically one of our core mantras or phrases that we use, play present or next play. Yeah. And that's that comes right from the verse, I think, that is so profound. You can worry about what's in, happened in the past, but you can't let that one mistake turn into three more mistakes coming up in the future. And so I love that verse. Um, one guy in particular that has, I think, done an amazing job with that, and he's our guest tonight. His name is Ken Stolt, um, and I have the pleasure to work with Ken at Akron High School. Ken has been a gym Coach, phys ed teacher. I apologize to your phys oh, ed teachers out there. Oh, come on now. You did I know. You know. I know. I'm, I'm sorry. That's just old school thinking. I got it right. Phys ed teachers out there. My, my apologies. But phys ed coach, he's been a football coach. He's coached a little modified sports. Um, he's been an administrator, an athletic director. He's now the head of Section 6 football. And so we're going to be really he's lucky to Coach Stolben here. Yeah, his – He's got a great family, comes from a great family, um, two wonderful young men as sons that, that are getting after it themselves. Yeah, I, just, I remember world. watching his sons just ball out at Alden, leading his their football teams like Section 6 title. Actually, I was at, well, they used to call it the Ralph, now they call it New Era, when um, his one son led this incredible comeback. Um, it was between Alden and Chictawaga. It was one of the best football games I've ever watched in my life. So, fond memories of those boys. Yeah, yeah. and so we're going to bring him in in about a minute or so and just talk some some things about, you know, what this podcast is all about, Beyond the Ball. How does he find balance outside of it? How did he lead connecting it to our verse for the week? How did he connect one thing to the next and just keep taking that next step forward? So, super excited to have him in. I hope everybody enjoys the conversation. Uh, Coach Klump, what do you think? You ready to get this thing started? Oh, yeah. We'll be back in a bit. Back in a bit. Appreciate you tuning in for this episode of Beyond the Ball. Be sure to check out these other great pods from the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, the CoachMaze.com Podcast, Cavalier Central, and our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Klump and Coach Gerstone. We're joined right now by a mentor of mine, a former coach of mine, uh, and an inspiration of mine, Coach Ken Stolt. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing great, and thank you for having me. Thanks so much for coming in. Um, one of the things that we like to do, Coach, on this Beyond the Ball podcast is really take a look at how we find balance uh, beyond the ball and how we influence others um, away from the actual athletic field or away from the court. And 
Typically, we are a basketball podcast, but we've had some football guests on, some baseball guests. Um, and when we were talking about doing this, your name became one of the ones that we felt like we just needed to get on here. So uh, we really appreciate you coming on. My pleasure. Coach Klump, you want to get us started tonight? Yeah, so um, each week we ask our guest to provide us with one of the three H's we call them, a hero that has impacted their life tremendously, a hardship that they grew through, and a highlight. And uh, you can take it any way that you want, Kenny. Um, so let's start out this week with the highlight. With the highlight? Boy, I don't know. Um you know, there's a few of them. I mean, if I look at if I look at team highlights, you know, I'm that I'm that odd coach that, you know, people like to walk into programs where the cupboards are full, and uh, you know, maybe maybe not have to do as much, and you know, have uh, kind of a media success type of thing. You know, I'm that guy that I just like to see the process. And um, when I started my first job years and years ago out at Warsaw. Yeah, I took over a varsity football program that had 19 kids. They had a modified team. They had no JV. And, um, you know, it was a tough go. In fact, if they didn't hire somebody to coach football, they were probably going to drop the program at that point. And, you know, my first two years there, as you can imagine, we struggled. And, and you know, I think I was 3-13 and 13 out there in my first two years. And, you know, then we had a group of young kids that were committed. We got it going. Uh, when I left there, we lost in the sectional finals to a team that went on to win and I think three state titles in a row. Um, and that year after I left, we had um, we had a full varsity roster and a full JV roster with over 30 kids on each. And I think I had nine starters coming back on each side of the ball. So, you know, that seeing that program turn around was a highlight. And, and then coming to Akron um, and leaving that program, you know, after we just got it to where we wanted to be, um, I came into Akron in a similar situation and went one and fifteen my first two years and then we got things going and and pretty much each year we were in the race to trying to compete for a division title. So I mean, you know, those are those are highlights to me. I mean, I, I just love to see kids grow, mature, programs grow. And um I, I think if I would have to say, you know, one other highlight would be um I like to see my former players go on and get involved in, in high school sports. You know, Justin, um, the, his brother Eric, um, Andy Klaus, Steve Patterson, the guys I coach with right now were all players of mine. You know, Derek Swader went on to coach. You know, so it's it's great when you see your former players go and and uh, and get into the field as well. Well, that's just tremendous. I mean, what is it like sitting in a room? I mean, you just said you, you get most of the coaching staff at Akron right now are your former players. What's it like sitting in the room? It's great. It's great, you know, and, and to see how committed they are and, and the game has changed so much from when I coached those guys. We laugh all the time because, you know, Coach Klaus will talk about the playbook that I gave and it was, you know, everybody's yeah. drawing up little <laughs> circles here and there and, and nobody threw the ball back then and it was different. And now, you know, everybody's throwing the ball around and everybody's using a huddle and the playbooks are so elaborate right now and it's just it's just a different world. But I'm just really proud of how hard, you know, all these guys have worked and they're all great coaches coach i appreciate uh the shout out there but i think one of the things for me is and why we do it is because some of the passion that you guys as coaches you and you know some of our other coaches had in the game and just how driven you were one question i i just think i've always asked and now that i'm coaching as well is 
at sometimes we get, like you said, the cupboard's not always full and you have these, we're at these programs that, you know, just have kids that come out maybe for the first time and have never played Little League. Like myself, I never played Little League. The first time I ever put football pads on, I was a freshman. What are the challenges that, you know, you have to overcome as a coach when you don't have talent walk through the door every single year? What, what, what's your maybe approach to how you deal with that, either mentally or what's your philosophy on that? What do you focus on to build those teams up? You know, I think it starts with expectations. You get everybody's expectation outlined early in the process, and you set goals that are reasonable. If you have a group of novice kids coming out, you know, you, you don't go out there and tell them, hey, you know, our goal here is we're going we're gonna to go out and win a state championship this year. I think we have to set more realistic goals. You know, that can be that can be an objective down the line someplace. But, I mean, I think we have to start off with, hey, we're going to look to, you know, we're going to look to win five games. You know, we want to try to make it to the sectionals and, and you know, re- set goals that are attainable for kids that they know that they can get to. And not all of them are going to be immediate results. Um, but when you game plan, you know, it, it might be something, let's try to win this quarter. You know, we want to, you know, we want to hold them to 12 points today. You know, we want to put up four touchdowns. You know, I mean, try to set goals for kids so that, you know, they see light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that helps. And I just think as a coach, um, you know, it's tough out there in, in certain sports. You know, they're all they're all tough, but, you know, football and basketball seem to take the brunt of it. You know, people, there's a lot of fanfare, there's a lot of parent involvement, and everybody wants immediate results. And, and in both of these sports, and especially football, because there's so many players involved, it's not that easy. You know, it, to, turn a, to turn a football program around, um, it takes some patience. You know, it's it's rarely does it happen overnight you're going to see you're going to see programs that start to make progress but you know it's going to be two three years sometimes before they get into sectionals and start their runs and on top of that you run into difficulty when you're at a small school and you go through those cycles where we get that good group of athletes that's committed and you know and then they go on and they graduate and you got to pick it up again and hope that those kids were leaders to the younger kids in your program so that you can keep it going yeah so much cycling through has to happen with your athletes. I think one of the things that I would just love to celebrate about you is one of the things I remember, and again, this is 20 some years ago, not to put a date on either one of us, but it was just the, just the, the passion. And like you said, every day there was an expectation um, and everybody knew their job and was committed to doing that for the, the betterment of the team. And so the state, the teams I was always on were always about, the team first and, and not celebrating individuals necessarily except when they did what they were supposed to. And you guys were always really positive and encouraging in that. And so I appreciate that. And, and thank you from, you know, from the rest of us too, the rest of my teammates, that was such a great experience for us. What about, um, what about a, a hardship that maybe you've endured during your time? Uh, yeah. You know, um, I mean, un- unfortunately, um, losing players, you know, I, I think, 
You know, um, I think I'm up to a half a dozen players now that that, that I have coached that have, that have passed away, and uh, that's that's a half a dozen too many. And yeah. you know, and it's the same thing with with colleagues. You know, people that I have coached with, or you know, as the section chairman. Um, you know, we in the last year to two years, we've lost three of the legends of Section Six with with John Fowler. Who was, you know, just a, a I'm on my committee and a great resource and a great person, and he's done so much for football in Western New York. And we lost Milt Dickerson, who has run the All Star Game every year, and he's been committed to Section Six football. And and obviously, um, the recent passing of, of Dick Gallagher has just left a void in, in so many people's hearts right now. And um, Lenny Jankowitz said it said it best at, at Dick Gallagher's funeral was is that. Dick Gallagher gave so much more than he received. And, you know, he was just a humble, humble man. And I, you know, I, I, I've told a couple of different reporters that Dick would be, Dick would take opinions. You know, he would take criticism. He would take ideas. What he would never take is credit. And he just cared about kids. And, you know, it, to me, that's the most recent hardship um, you know, is losing him and um, because he's done so much in a positive way for, for football and, and not only football, but kids escaping drugs program in, in Western New York. So, you know, those are all those are all hardships. And, and also um, seeing great coaches step down. And we all do, you know, we all need a break and we all have families and it becomes really difficult to manage both. And yeah. you see and you see some coaches out there that are just so good for our kids and you understand why they have to step down. But it's it's still it's still a hardship when you see him do it. It's a great point. Now, Ken, last week we had Tom Prince and Dennis Sorrow on two individuals that had so many memories of, of Dick Gallagher. Do you see several individuals coming up um, as being mentored by Dick that are now ready to um, really serve Western New York football. And I don't want want to say in place of Dick, but to help preserve what he started. Well, we'll put it this way. It's going to take more than one to do it. Um, And it's not going to be an easy job. But yes, I see people that, that he has worked closely with um, that are willing to try and step up and, and replace, but it's it's going to take time because the unique thing that Dick Gallagher had is he earned everybody's respect, and I think it's because he treated everybody with respect. Yeah, that's such a great point, and that's what the guys last week, Dennis and Tom, were talking about. You know, finding ways and paths to kind of carry on Dick's legacy and keep celebrating these athletes um, around Western New York. Kenny, is there anything in particular that you would highlight that you guys do? And we'll get maybe more into Section 6 and your role as the chairman for that a little later. But I just, off the top of my head, what are you guys like really striving to do as the head of Section 6 football for our athletes? What's the main, like if there was a mission statement maybe or something of that nature, what would it be? Like, well, you know, I, I just think it. If we had a mission statement, it would include all the all the things that we talked about as being, uh, you know, role models for kids. But you know, making the game as safe as we can for kids, and and on top of it, promoting our student athletes, and um, you know, giving them the uh, the possibilities to go on and earn scholarships. So, you know, I I think some, those are some of the major points that it would include. 
Yeah, that's great. I think Eric and I have, have talked a little bit, maybe off the record, about things that we can help with as well. And I think you're right. Um, I think getting into that is going to be a job that more than one of us can maybe handle. So I look forward to seeing what we, we do in Dick's, Dick's honor as we move forward. So. So excited. Ken, you mentioned safety um, as one of the mission statements. So as July 9th, here we sit, um, corona closure. What, what Has anything at all, what are those conversations behind those doors saying, are, are you feeling that we are going to get football um, in the fall? Is, it going, is there going to be a switch between the fall and the spring? Are we heading full steam you know, as we're going to have it? I'm trying to stay as optimistic as I can. Um, and, you know, Dang, are we heading you know, I, I'm trying to stay as optimistic as I can. And if you asked me two weeks ago, um, I would have said, yeah, I think we're I think we're on target. You know, right now with seeing, um, you know, all these D3 programs in limbo, seeing the Ivy League cancel the fall, seeing the Big Ten go to conference only games. Um, right. You know, it's. Uh, those things don't bode well, but um, I know that, you know, the state is working hard with their task force and, you know, uh, they got they got about a half a dozen scenarios out there that the schools are looking at and the state is looking at. But the bottom line is, you know, everybody's just going to be waiting on the governor. Uh, the Board of Regents is going to give the state direction, and I'm sure the Board of Regents is waiting on the governor as well. So, you know, it is what it is right now. We have to be flexible. And, you know, I think we all understand that, you know, the most important thing is, is safety for everybody. Yep, um, exactly. And, you know, if it means if it means running four short seasons during the school year and maybe we don't start until December and if at least we get our kids you know, some opportunities to play their sport, it's a win. So, you know, we're going to we're gonna stay positive and we're still hoping that, you know, on August 24th we're playing football. But if it, you know, if it means that we're, you know, playing it in September instead or in March instead, as long as we're playing football, it's a positive. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of the coaches out there, especially the football coaches that I've been talking to, um, they they are speaking the same same language that you are. You know, it doesn't matter – what part of the year, just as long as to give those athletes that opportunity to perform um, and, you know, those parents to see them out there either, either through mainstream or, you know, far away, but they just want to have the athletes have that opportunity. Yeah, I think, Coach, I think one of the things for me is what this does really for us, and I've done this, you know, personally inside my own family is this time's really made you sit back and appreciate, you know, the opportunities that you have had and will hopefully get moving forward and not take them for granted that it's not necessarily all about, you know, the stats or, you know, the championship at the end, but maybe just competing with your friends uh, and getting that opportunity to do that. So hopefully that works out. Hopefully that works out. We, I mean, we need to get – we just need to get back to real life. We need to get structure back in people's lives and, and, and get moving, you know, so. Yeah, hopefully that comes. Absolutely. Coach, last one, hero. Any heroes that really strike a chord with you that are, have been really um, impressionable on your journey? Yeah, I mean, I think like most people will tell you, 
my parents were very influ- influential to me. You know, my, my mother was uh, ill during my high school years, passed away as soon as I started college. Um, you know, so I mean, it was difficult for her to get to my contests and stuff. And obviously, she wasn't working. My father was retired. Um, we didn't come from a lot. And, you know, they did their best to still get to my games and provide me with whatever they could, you know, and I didn't have what the other kids had, you know, but um, just the fact that I knew that they were always there um, and, you know, they were role models for me and, you know, they put things in perspective for me. And, and that's what I try to do for kids now. And, you know, so on a personal standpoint, yes, it, it would definitely be my parents. And, you know, in terms of my professional duties, what I do um, when I got joined the football committee, you know, I, I really became fond of Chuck Funky. Um, I love the way that he led. I love this, you know, his leadership style in terms of, you know, he was passionate about what he did. He was organized and, you know, he was willing to accept criticism. And when I, when I was going to, when I was getting groomed, so to speak, to take over, you know, he was always quick to make the point to me that, you know, Kenny, people are always going to think they know more about what's going on than they uh-huh. really do. And yeah. says, you just got to remember, you're going to take criticism. Uh, football is one of the flagships out there and people always think that they're going to know it and they're going to have their opinions. But, you know, you got to remember you're doing what's best for kids. And if you do, um, you know, you're going to be fine. And and Chuck Amos started the federation along with Chuck Funky, and Chuck Amos still works on my committee. And, you know, he gives me so much inspiration right now. Um, you know, he's he's not, he's a very humble man, but he's been around for years. So he's been, he's been a great resource. Um, Len Jankowitz, uh, Len is synonymous with football. Uh, anything that's going on in Western New York in terms of combines, college nights, and you talk about a guy that goes out and just does it for kids, doesn't get paid to do it, doesn't you know, doesn't want any recognition. Um, he's embarrassed when you try to give him recognition. He is just a great, great mentor. And um, and when I started at Akron, my first AD job. You know, another guy that's familiar with the Niagara Orleans League was Jim Conley. Um, Jim was very influential to me. You know, I, I worked hard with Jim. I, I took a lot from what he had, he taught me, um, got me involved. I, I teach the coaching classes to certify coaches in, in Western New York and in Niagara County. And a lot of that uh, was, was from Jim's help. And, um, you know, he was a great leader. You know, and, and, you know, I think when I think of pro athletes, Pat Tillman was always my idol. And, uh, you know, what he did, what he gave up. And, you know, everybody wants the glamour and the glory. And, and that guy just loved the game. And he just loved to compete. He was an intrinsic man, intrinsic leader. And what he gave up for our country, you know, that guy's always going to be my hero. Yeah, amen. Uh, so it's good. So, Coach, uh, part of this part of this pod is um, – allowing younger coaches to be informed about balancing professionalism and family and and the game. So um, with a huge family man like yourself, how, how, and you are doing so much at work, you have so many hats that you're wearing, how, how did you balance this? You know, you got to surround yourself with good people. And I think that's the key, you know, with the football committee, you know, I have, I have just a bunch of great group of guys that are all very helpful, willing to step in. You know, when I was AD, I, I was fortunate to have great coaches. Um, and, you know, you just, you, you have to, you have to make it clear. I think that coaches 
a lot of coaches get burned out because, you know, they they don't set aside time for themselves. And I think it's important that coaches need to understand that they need to have some time each day to themselves, whether it's just reading the paper, getting their workout in, whatever it is. But they need to have that 45 minutes to an hour of work, yeah. just their time. And when you're working, wellness. Yeah, yeah. And when you're working, you know, with a staff, you know, I always tried to make sure that my staff had one day a week off where I didn't talk to anybody. It was a family day for them um, because these are all important things. If you don't take care of those things and if you don't manage the basics, you're going to get burned out quick. Yeah, I think that's such a huge piece of the coaching is taking that family time. Your family in particular, and because I know you a little bit, I know you have two boys that were really pretty decent, really actually dynamic football players and athletes. How? What did football look like in your household when those guys were young, when Brian and Ty were, were youngsters? What, what was the difference between, like, say, dad versus coach versus fan? How did that play out in your house? You know, it was awesome. Um, it was just a great experience. Football has just been such a big part of the life in the Stoll House here, and, and it still is to this day. And, you know, the kids grew up, and, you know, they were very respectful kids. They were very hardworking kids. They were coachable kids. And, you know, and, and so it made it easy. And, um, you know, I, I coached both of them at some point in Little League. And, you know, when they got into high school, I had opportunities to coach them. And I coached Tyler for one year. But honestly, um, there are two trains of thought. And some people can't wait to coach their own kids. And, and I didn't want to coach my own kids. I wanted to just be dad. You know, I wanted to be there to talk to them after the game when they needed to vent or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I used to just like getting up in the stands as far away from I could from everybody and just being a dad and watching my kids. Um, and, and I enjoyed it. And it worked out. And my kids were fortunate to have great coaches and, and, and great people because, you know, to me, being a great coach, the first thing you have to do is be a great person. And, you know, the X's and O's are one thing, but being a role model for kids is, is the most important thing. And my kids were fortunate, you know, most of the time to, to be in that position where they had great coaches. But it was great, you know, watching film together. And from the time that they were little kids, you know, we'd go out in the backyard and work on drills or, you know, after a game or the day after, you know, we'd be able to pop in a, a game tape and, you know, go through and break it down and do some things. And it, it was just fun. And to this day, um, you know, I got, you know, Brian's coaching college football right now. This year he's coaching, he's helping out at UB and he's been coaching at Alfred the last two years. My son, Tyler coaches high school down in Florida. And, and, you know, last year they were two minutes away from going to the state championship in a six, a program in the year. Wow. And the year before they, uh, you know, the last, actually the two years before that, it's, you know, they've had great years, made it to the quarterfinals of the state playoffs. And, you know, his he's been doing fantastic things down there. And, and it's just fun to watch. I can actually, they stream all his games so we can put it on the big 60-inch TV and watch his games on Friday nights, you know, and yeah. what have you. But the phone calls that go back and forth and the texts that go back and forth between the three of us during football season, it's just it's it's underrated you know it's not just about the x's and o's it's about all the things that come along with it and and that's one of the best things that happened to us awesome stuff so coach you've been doing this for such a long time and and uh, you know you're just talking about being around your kids um and having that football conversation that has to be so awesome but um has has there been anything any kind of conversation between you and your sons where they've kind of like opened 
your view of football up to like a, a newer version that you, you know, maybe that you've never even thought of before? Like, what are those ideas that you guys are bouncing around or bouncing back and forth? Like, what are you discussing? Oh, it's always great stuff. You know, I mean, um, Brian was working with the, with the defense the last couple of years and with D-backs at the college level. And, and Tyler, you know, is just he's really been an offensive guru down there and doing great things. And, you know, so for me, um, you know, going from the, the power eye or the wishbone and the way this game, the way this game has changed. You know, it's it's easy to, you know, I want something yeah. offensively. Hey, Ty, you know, if I'm seeing a lot of this front, what do I do? Boom, boom, boom. He's got five things for me, you know. And if oh, people are going to if people are gonna go and do things against this, Brian, what do you guys do when you see this? Oh, okay, well, you need blah, 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 and here you go, you know, and you move things around, and it's just just great conversation. I mean, that that is like a dream of mine as my with my son, like to have those conversations, or my daughters for that matter on the basketball end to be able to talk about that at some point. I just, as being a sports junkie, right? Like I think all of us in this, this podcast are just to have those cool conversations. We were talking with Tom Prince in our last interview and he said the same thing about him and Dick Gallagher, just sitting up watching games and just throwing the strategy back and forth. So to be able to do that with your, your kids has got to be just amazing. What about your wife? Is she, I know if she's anything like my wife, I get told all the time that my wife is a saint because she puts up with with my passion. Is that similar in your household, I would think? My wife is going to have a free pass through the pearly gates. Um, there, is, there is no doubt. Um, you know, when I was coaching football and I was the AD and I was on the football committee and a lot of those years I was coaching baseball um, or my basketball and when my kids were first born, you know, really until they got up into, you know, that middle school age, I was still doing, I gave up the AD piece when my kids, my oldest started playing modified. But until then, um, I was at, you know, I was at Akron, my God, most every night for some event. And my wife, um, you know, she was just the bomb. I mean, she raised our kids and, you know, just did a fantastic job with it. And, you know, and, and on top of it, had time, you know, to come to my games, drag the kids to my games and, uh, and, and support. So I, I can't say enough of, for everything that, that she's done. That's tremendous so I know we've, uh, we've had a nice opportunity to get, obviously, post athlete coach relationship to get to know each other and i would say the same thing I sh- i'm sure deb and my wife rochelle could uh share some war stories for sure <laughs> oh man so dick um one of the yeah, i want to go back to like what you said about highlights of, of being able to go into a program and really infuse some passion for the game of football is one of the thing one of your highlights um it's got to be so hard uh, in the game, getting 11 guys on the football field on the same page. So I just want to know, what is a conversation behind closed doors of an individual that really isn't receptive to accepting a role or, hey, my parents said that I should play this position? How do you go about addressing these young athletes? You know, that's always a tough conversation, but it comes down to, you know, you know what, what can you offer um, you know, don't make it about the coach, you know, make it about yourself. Like, you know, what, what have you done? Tell me what you have done to earn this position over, over him. And, you know, in some cases it might be, you know what, 
you, you know, you're right or your mom or your dad is right, you know, you might be you might be a better receiver than than Joe Joe Smith. Okay, but you know, again, it's about cohesiveness and it's about the team right now. I have yeah. a lot of receivers. I can use you here, and it's about helping your team right now. You know, and when we get opportunities, we can put you there. You know, we can do things, but you know, try to find that middle ground, um, and and you know, just get those conversations away from oh, it's a favoritism thing or it's this thing. It's like, you know, I like to try to put it back and say, okay, you know, tell me what you think you've done to earn this spot over that kid. Yeah. I mean, we had uh, coach Jordan Hogan on, he's a coach, wide receiver coach out of Cornell. And he was even reverting back to the conversation of uh, what they had to do with JC Treader and, and um, trying to promote him to his move to the NFL game. Yeah. Yeah, and that kid was so smart. He's in the best thing that, you know, I mean, 10 years ago, would that would he have thought he'd be playing center in the NFL? You know, I, th- I think, I'm not even sure, but I think when he went, I think he started off wanting to play defense, you know, but that is so much the, the problem there. I think so many kids could go on and succeed or go on and do much more than they've done, but, you know, they get into this mode where I have to be in this spot. You know, I think he, being such a bright kid to begin with, is willing and receptive, and he can see the writing on the wall that, hey, you know what, okay, coach is right, I can do this, and and look where it's got him. Yeah, amazing stuff. Just being receptive to what other people's vision could be and going after it. Absolutely. So, Kenny, a quick question for you. As as an experienced, we'll say, coach and administrator, what are some of the things that you've done to help mentor, you know, younger coaches? I know working with you, you know, you're always a sounding board for me, but is there any other things that you do to like help prepare the next line of coaches? I know you talked as a hardship seeing some coaches leave the profession for a variety of reasons, but are, are there things that you're doing to help bring new coaches in? You know, I, I try, you know, I mean, you know, I try to, the coaches that I'm working with now, you know, I try to have conversations about, especially when we, we, we approach difficult situations and how we dealt with them and, you know, okay, this is what we did. What were our other options? You know, did we make the right choice or, you know, when we're doing our preseason planning and so forth, you know, I mean, um, making sure that, you know, we got everything planned out accordingly, those types of things, you know. So, I mean, just with organizational aspects and, and I've seen and heard just about every argument there is out there. Um, I can forecast a lot of problems, you know. I had that ability to foresee, obviously, like a lot of older coaches do because we've seen, you know, as I said, just about everything happen in one way, shape or form. Um, so, I mean, just I think being there, um, in terms of people who haven't coached yet, as I said earlier, to me, it's more important to be a good person. And when I'm hiring an assistant coach, I would rather hire a good person who had less X and O's than the person that's got a great X and O mentality but isn't willing to work with the program. Um, if I'm a varsity coach and my JV coach doesn't want to do what we're doing and you know, the kids are going to have to relearn systems as juniors. That's not helping anybody. Yeah, that's a tough transition for sure. I mean, I look for good people first. But yeah, anytime I get somebody like that, especially when I'm in the coaching classes that I'm teaching, you know, somebody might not have thought they could coach, you know, basketball or what have you. It's like, you know, hey, why don't you try getting involved, meet with your coach, see if you can do some modified basketball and get involved because you're good with kids. 
And, you know, and I think I, I emphasize to, to people all the time, too, that, you know, not everybody yeah. needs to be a varsity head coach. It, it's about providing leadership. And sometimes you want some of your best people down at the modified level and somebody that are going to teach basics and fundamentals. And some people are just happy being at that level. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I think that's where kind of where I was interested in because I know I feel like I may have taken a coaching class with you at one time or another. And is that what you see when these these prospective coaches come in? Are they they're all different levels, right? They have to be, or are most of them aspiring to be a varsity coach. What do you normally see? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think there are some people that come in and you know. They're modified coaches, and they, and they know that's where they want to be. And all I try to say is, listen, don't don't sell yourself short because there are some people that are just they, they're in it for the modified. They like working with that age level. They might teach middle school, and that's fantastic. And then there are other people that come in, and they're you know they're modified coaches, and they don't have enough confidence in themselves to move up. And you know, and just let them know that listen, it just comes with time. You can do that. And then, you know, you get the third category of the people that come in and they think that, okay, well, it's, it's, I'm supposed to move up the hierarchy. You know, uh, I'm going to start off as modified and then I have to go to JV and I have to go to varsity. And it's like, no, you don't have to go anywhere. You know, yeah. you go where you're happy and you go where you think you can help the program the most. Absolutely. And if I could, just one more follow up. What do you think about, like teachers in the district and like maybe phys ed coaches in the district coaching. Do you think that should be more of a priority or is that something that, because I know we work in a smaller district where that's not always necessarily uh, a doable scenario where we get teachers in yeah. our phys ed I think coaches that are trying to balance their time. Phys ed, I like how you made that correction. I think it's helpful. I don't think it's a necessity. I think, you know, it's it's easier when you can keep your, you know, your thumb on the pulse, so to speak, because you're in the building every day. And if kids have questions, they know they can come to you. And if a practice gets changed, you know, you have access to the kids and those types of things. And, you know, so it definitely has its advantages. Now, that's not saying that, you know, there's somebody out there in the general public who might be an absolute great teacher. It just so happens that they're not in education. You know what I mean? But they're, they're a great teacher, so to speak, and they can come in and coach kids. And, you know, so, I mean, it can happen either side. But, yeah, I mean, um, with all things being equal, I think the closer that we are in terms of having a teacher in the building with our kids, I think it's beneficial. So as an athletic director, you're sitting back and watching um, young teachers that have maybe taken a job for their first year and they're trying their hand in coaching. You're looking for you're you're more so looking for that transformational coach than you are that that gun ho X's and O's type of had you know at modified varsity or JV right. You want that transformational coach that's going to impact these kids' lives. Absolutely. I, you know, I used to tell the young coaches when I got them, the first year people that were doing modified and stuff for me, the one thing I made clear when I went over expectations with them is that, listen, if, if your goal is to actually move up and be a JV or a varsity coach someday, um, that's great. And we're going to, you know, we're going to work with you and we're going to try to groom you and get you there. But, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can impress me to make that move. Winning at the modified level isn't what I'm looking for. I mean, it's great to win, but I don't, you know, I don't care if you're 10 and 0 with the modified level and, and you're thinking, okay, I should, I should get my chance because I'm 10 and 0. You know, when I coach modified basketball, my kids are rotating by the clock. 
You know, right. so that's just the way I go. So, and other people might do the same thing. So if you're going to play seven or 80 or 10 kids in a basketball game to beat somebody in a modified, does that really make you a better coach? Or are you just playing your better kids longer and winning the game? So, you know, I think it's important to emphasize when, you know, we get the young coaches at the modified level that, you know, listen, it's about teaching kids skills. It's about teaching kids, you know, basic fundamentals. More importantly, it's about t- teaching them how to balance athletics and academics and sportsmanship, character, all those types of things. Yeah. Those are the things that we want to pound. Yep, we want to iron those things out right now. So as they get into JV and varsity, that's ingrained in them already. So, like, yeah. as, a fo- as a football guy, do you think that there's something that we could do with it? Like, Justin and I have this conversation all the time, like, okay, no modified team should sit in a zone or, or no youth team should sit in a zone at, at a basketball. What What is one thing that you think would prepare modified or young youth football players a little bit better? Should it be eight-man football? Should it be, you know, I mean, I'm just trying to think outside the box here. Is there yeah, something? USA football is going to a rookie football concept and, you know, um, where it's, it's actually a smaller field. I mean, you look at you look at basically every other sport. You know, baseball plays on a smaller field. Basketball, yeah. they lower hoops when they can. You know, they also go three-on-three tournaments and stuff like that. Football has insisted for years that we're going we're gonna to take this seven-year-old and play on a 100-by-50-yard field. <laughs> and, you know, as soon as the kid runs around the end, we're all watching him run for 80 yards and, you know, what have you. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, to shorten the field and to do some of the things like that, great. Um, And I think there's so many things that we can do in terms of making the game safer because that's the big thing with football. You know, some kids are apprehensive because of the contact. Some parents are apprehensive that everything that's sent out there in the media. And we can do so many things. We can do so many things in the offseason you know, that without pads or without anything else to teach proper tackling and to teach muscle memory where kids are keeping their head up and we're doing a shoulder tackling system. And, you know, so we can do those types of things in a gymnasium. Awesome stuff. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. That You know, as, as a basketball coach, you constantly think about those things like lowering the rim, shot clock, putting them in different situations so that they think on their feet. Um, yeah, that those are just I, – I love those. That answer is brilliant. So, Coach, is we uh, we're we're coming up against it here. We just love all the information you're giving. Is there anything that you see, you know, moving forward with any sport or football in general that we can do to kind of celebrate kids more and to get them out playing sports? I think one of my biggest takeaways from what you just said about teaching those fundamentals is also about having a little bit of school pride you know, a little enthusiasm for your district. And I know, like, for example, Coach Klump does an amazing job, you know, with his his new fame squad and the one motto that they have. What are some of the things that you think are maybe a bigger picture thing to get more kids out playing sports and, and tied into their school? You know, I think your, your phys ed people can be, um, you know, can be instrumental in that. And, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, we really take pleasure in. I know that, you know, Coach Stella and myself, we we both enjoy the fact that when we have kids in middle, middle school, sometimes these kids are just timid kids, you know, that wouldn't think of going out for a sport. 
And, you know, maybe we can go up and talk to Miss Bennett, the cross-country coach, or introduce a kid to, to Miss Bennett, you know, or introduce a kid to the wrestling coach. And, you know, just – and all of a sudden you see three or four years later that, you know, these kids are doing outstanding in the sport and they're coming out of their shell and, and those types of things, you know. So, I mean, I think that's one way to go about it, and that's it's, it's rewarding for us as well. Yeah, I mean, the connection – to school, I think, is just so much enhanced, so much more enhanced when a kid's participating in an extracurricular. You know, there's theater, there's music. Our, our passion, obviously, is sports, but. Yeah, they just got to find their niche. They got to find their niche, and they got to, I think, just really buy into the school, right? If we can just get them bought into the school, their academics will probably improve, and it'll just be such a great environment for, for everybody, but. So good, so good to have you, um, Coach. We really appreciate it. We're we're up on like forty minutes here, so so um, I got I got to I got to get one from from Ken because I know Dick would want me to ask this. Um, Tom Tom and Dennis were on last week, and he said that one of Dick hoped that we could somehow make a showcase week in football where the powerhouse privates played oh, the powerhouse getting right, publics. Getting right after him, Coach Clump. Go get yeah, right so at him. <laughs> is, is this way more work than we – I mean, you're you're in the trenches here. I, we're just – you know, we just take the, take the schedule and play the schedule, but is this just something that would be way too much work to figure out or is it something that would be doable for Dick? Listen, um, I would love to do that. And I've been trying to do that since the day I took over as chairman. Um, we have been fortunate, you know, most years to have teams from Buffalo be invited to Syracuse for the kickoff classic in the Dome. Right. And I have been trying to run a classic here for years. Um, and it could just be our teams, but I've been trying to involve um, the public versus Catholic, because those are games, uh, you know, and what I went back to before with promoting kids, promoting football. Yeah, all right. Exactly. What do people in Western New York want to see? They want to see our big public schools playing the Catholic schools. And right. that would be a win-win for everybody. And, you know, and, you know, over the last, ironically, over the last year, I said I would love to set something up each year um, if we could ever get into New Era Field to do it. Um, but, you know, that hasn't been real receptive at this point. So, you know, maybe we need to do it someplace else, but it would be great to have that weekend and call him the Gallagher Games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, great love that. And, uh, you know, because he would love to see the, the public and Catholic going. Yeah, absolutely. Coach, I'm so glad you remembered to bring that up. That's something I think we're all looking forward to. And there's so many hurdles with that, right, Coach? But it's like anything there's going to be hurdles with anything you try to do that's new or different. So you just got to keep. It, it's not the, it's not the, you know, anything more than really a scheduling conflict on our end. Um, because obviously the Catholic schools have a lot more flexibility than they can. Yeah. But, you know, for instance, with us, like if, you know, um, we, we can only play seven games in the seasons, I would say. And, you know, right. I got seven teams in a division. That means I can only have one non-league game per week. And, you know, maybe Lancaster's in a division of seven. Well, Lancaster can't play St. Francis because Lancaster has a traditional game with Depew. People just think, oh, this school won't play that school. It's like, no, because of we have so many teams in the section, a lot of our schools, we don't have the flexibility to just match up. 
you know, so, but, you know, but we, over the years, we've had a lot more schools playing Catholic schools than we ever had. So that's a good thing. So we're moving in the right directions. So like as us as basketball coaches, you know, we've got like six or maybe eight non-league games and, you know, so the basketball nuts will come up to you and they'll say, Hey, I want your team to play this team next year because you both got a lot of individuals coming back. I want to see that game being played. And because we have such flexibility and more non-league games, we can make it happen. But football, there's a lot, a lot that goes into that. Yeah, our hands are tied, and it's once a week, and it's you know. So yeah, we don't have that flexibility, but you know, if we could get you know at least you know if we could have a five game during the weekend for the Gallagher games and have a couple of them at least be public Catholic games, that would be great. Yeah, maybe yeah. at a central location so like great. they have so the uh, All Star well, game. We appreciate you coming on. We're gonna awesome close this stuff. thing Thanks, out. Kenny. But we really appreciate you uh, sharing some of your insights and experience with us. Glad to help. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it. We'll uh, get in touch with you when we're ready to push this thing out. But have a great night, Coach. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. 